Hello and welcome to the Schools and Academy Show podcast. Thank you for joining us. And for our regular listeners, this episode will feature a slightly different format. That's because we just got back from the Schools and Academy Show Birmingham. It was great. Thanks for asking. Hopefully we saw you there, but if not, we wish we'd been able to. For those of you that weren't at the show, don't worry. In this month's podcast, we'll tell you the best bits that you missed from the Schools and Academy Show. While on a normal month, we cover three stories from the wider world of education, this month we're going to be covering all the biggest stories coming out of SAS. And we're probably going to peel the curtain back a little to give you an idea of what goes into producing an event like this. We'll try to keep the self-aggrandizement to a minimum, though. Hopefully. So does that mean that we're our own special guests this month? Hmm. I guess so. Well, I mean, it was bound to happen eventually, wasn't it? Well, what a privilege this is. Thank you for joining us for the Schools and Academy Show Roundup, and we hope you enjoyed the episode. This podcast is brought to you by Capitarian and Trust. Capitarian and Trust work with national education authorities, multi-academy trusts and schools as a trusted education partner, enabling young people to achieve better educational outcomes. So as our pre-intro self said, all our stories this month follow on from the Schools and Academy show Birmingham. As the country's leading educational policy event, with some heavy hitters both speaking and attending as delegates, the contents of sessions were bound to get written up somewhere. Our opening main stage panel had some real heavyweights on it. We were lucky enough to be joined by the Right Honourable Lord Jim Knight, the Chair of EACT and former Minister of State for Schools and Learning, Hannah Woodhouse, the Regional Director for the South West, Paul Gosling, the President of the NAHT and friend of the podcast actually, go check out his episode, Jude Hillary, the Head of UK Policy and Practice Research at the NFER, and Steve Rollett, who's the Deputy CEO of the Confederation of School Trusts. When we first had the idea for this panel, we wanted it to be a discussion of the transformational journey of all schools entering into maths by 2030 looking at what this target actually meant in real terms for schools and what are the challenges facing the sector entering into this new all-mat world. Sam, you were in charge of running the main stage that day, making sure that speakers are there on time. What did it look like to you ringside? How did it feel in the room? Well, if I'm really going to force that boxing analogy of these being heavyweights, the panel definitely had a big fight feel heading into it. To be honest, I can't say I'm really surprised given the uncertainty about the looming 2030 targets and the names we had in the panel. What were the headlines to come out of the session? Well, you've actually kind of already given people a spoiler there, Alex, when you mentioned uncertainty. That was the biggest thing coming out of it. Uncertainty over whether academising will help schools stay afloat. Uncertainty over what makes a strong trust, quote-unquote. And uncertainty over whether academising really does help improve struggling schools. One thing there's definitely no uncertainty over, though, is that academisation is here to stay. Hannah Woodhouse made it very clear that the DfE really believe in the Academy Trust model and Steve Rollett felt that we were at the tipping point now with over 50% of children being taught in trusts. Whether 2030 is set in stone or is just kind of an arbitrary number at this point is still up for debate. Jude Hillary noted that to achieve that now, 25 schools a week would have to academize. We'll leave that up to you at home to decide if you think that's realistic or not. I thought it was a great session personally. Panelists all knew their stuff and the conversation was really thorough and engaging and you could definitely feel that in the room. But, I mean, don't just take my word for it. I managed to grab a few words with Steve Rollett once we wrapped, so here's his thoughts. 
Yeah, hi, I had a brilliant day so far today. Um, we had a, a really interesting uh, discussion on the main stage about the 2030 government vision for all schools to be part of a trust. And we talked about how that journey uh, is arguably more difficult at the current time because of the financial constraints that schools find themselves operating within. We talked through some of the reservations that we know that some uh, some schools have about, um, you know, what does it mean to be in a, in a trust? Might I lose my autonomy and so on? But, you know, we all came together, I think, around a sense that actually there is the, the future of the education system is all schools working together. Um, we at CST believe that ought to be in school trusts, but all colleagues, I think, agree the importance of connecting professionals together. So it was a really, it was a really, really good uh, discussion that we enjoyed. Another session to get a commendable write-up, this time in Schools Week, was the keynote speech delivered by David Withy, the new Chief Executive of the Education and Skills Funding Agency, or the ESFA for short. Oh, David was a great speaker, and he really, really welcomed the challenge of his time slot clashing with the autumn statement being delivered in Westminster. Yeah, the statement did draw the attention of a few people on the show floor to their phones, but let's be honest, it's not every day you get to hear from the chief executive of the ESFA. So still, despite that clash, so many people flowed to his session to hear what he had to say. When curating an agenda and inviting speakers, we look to approach thought leaders from across the sector whose school leaders may not get the opportunity to speak with directly. David is new to role and funding is always topical, now more so than ever. So him having the opportunity to engage with the sector was a win-win situation. Sam, again, you caught this session. What did David cover? Well, actually, I caught more than that. I managed to grab a word with David once he'd wrapped up and I think his summary will do it more justice than mine would. So we're still here at the Schools of the Academy Show Birmingham and David Withy, the Chief Executive of the ESFA, has just wrapped up his keynote. I'm standing by with David. David, again, a great keynote. If you could give me just a little summary of what you've just spoken on, that'd be great. Thanks, Sam. Uh, so I talked about a couple of things. I talked about uh, the, the challenges that the sector is facing uh, over the next, the next period and the role that the ESFA can hopefully play in helping them to resolve some of those challenges. The ESFA wear a couple of hats. Uh, we, are a reg a reg we have a number of regulatory type powers and those are really important but we also have some supportive responsibilities in terms of building capability uh, and understanding across the system to ensure that, um, that the, the trust leaders, school leaders uh, know what they have to do to make sure that we are achieving what I think is a shared goal in making sure that every pound spent in education goes to realise the biggest impact in terms of uh, people's realising their potential. So I talked about three things. I talked about the role that we play in providing certainty for the sector. I talked about the role that we play in hopefully simplifying some of the, some of the, the financial management arrangements that we see. And I talked about my desire to make sure that we've got really strong partnership working relationships that provide support to trust leaders and to school leaders who might be worried about financial management matters. Uh, I ended with a plea to work with us uh, to help build that trust and to ensure that that conversation uh, is, a, is a constructive uh, and positive one, particularly as we face into what undoubtedly are going to be challenging financial times. As you heard me allude to there, not only were the audiences treated to a keynote from David, but they also got the chance to ask him questions to get better insights into the thought processes at the ESFA. Again, not something you get the chance to do every day. David wanted to address the relationship between the ESFA and the sector noting that there is often a fear factor about their involvement and how he wants to build a positive, trusting relationship. When the topic of reserves came up, David noted that reserves are put away for rainy days and, well, quite clearly, it's raining, but also that it wouldn't be prudent to use reserves to manage longer-term operational issues. David did reassure the room, however, that the ESFA is aware of the tough financial pressures and are monitoring the situation closely, stating to the leaders in the room that, quote, we hear you. 
Another organisation our audience were keen to hear from was Ofqual, especially considering the stresses and demands that exams place on staff and pupils. It would have been hard to have missed the news stories and headlines around examinations over the last two years. And who are we to tell them no? Which is exactly why we had Ofqual there being represented by their chair, Ian Bockham. Ian delivered a keynote about looking ahead to the 2023 exams and the future of digital exams. Once again, I managed to grab a quick word with Ian once he'd wrapped up, so if you missed the keynote, here's the summary. Ian, could you possibly let the people at home know what you've just finished speaking on and what they've missed out on by not attending the show this year? Absolutely. So it was great to be back here in Birmingham at the Academy show. What I was talking about this morning was uh, just recapping what we're doing for exam grading at GCSE and A-level and vocational and technical qualifications in summer 2023. Reminding everybody that after the successful return of examinations in 2022, in 2023, we're going to continue that development and return, broadly speaking, to a normal approach to grading which will be determined by senior examiners once they've reviewed candidate scripts uh, and guided by information that Ofqual gives them. And the aim will be to get back to the normal grading standard that we had from 2019 and before. So that was the first thing I talked about. And then the second thing I talked about was the possible future of exams in the light of the digital revolution, which is happening uh, in all our lives at the moment. And just talked about the importance of us, Ofqual, as a regulator, having enough understanding and knowledge of this field to be able to make the right decisions in the interests of young people and candidates for exams when awarding organisations propose to us approaches for using digital uh, digital technology. Digital technology, many possible advantages and benefits, but we do have to proceed with caution because we can't take risks or do experiments with young people's futures. One of the most important things to come out of this session was that Ofqual will be returning to the pre-pandemic grading measures. However, pupils will have the same safeguards in place that they had during the pandemic, with prior attainment data being considered. Ian highlighted the potentially distressing fact that we should expect to see grades fall this year compared to the year previous, but was keen to manage expectations saying that this shouldn't be seen as a drop in school performance, but instead is just a shift towards normal grading standards following the pandemic. Borkham stressed that SLT should not worry about this dip in performance. However, as a former teacher, we all know that those red columns on spreadsheets will send alarm bells ringing. The second half of Ian's keynote covered the digital revolution and its impact on exams. It seems that Ofqual feel it will be a matter of when, not if, digital exams become the norm, but Ian stressed that young people's futures are not a tool to try out new experiments, which is why they are committed to unearthing all the risks and benefits of digital exams before they move any further. While these were all fantastic sessions, the Schools and Academy show is a lot bigger than just these three, and the stages cover everything you could ever want, from school improvement to school business, to send issues, and even debates around the hot topics. One of the sessions that I'm really proud that we put together was the panel featuring Baroness Morris of Yardley, Lord Jim Knight and David Laws. Their session looked at the development of education policy over the last 20 years. With these three being dubbed the gods of education going into the session, there was a big buzz and there weren't many empty seats in the house, let me tell you. With these three being out of the game now, there was no need for them to tow their party line and they were really able to reflect on the success and the failures of the education sector over time. I managed to catch up with Estelle Morris after the panel 
I'm joined by a bit of a hero of mine, uh, Lady Morris of Yardley, Esther Morris, former Secretary of State for Education. And um, um, Esther, can you just tell us what you've been speaking about and some of the challenges that you think schools are currently facing at the moment? Well, it's been a bit of reflection, really, with um, David and Jim on our time in power, looking back, where do we think the turning points were and what we've learned. I mean, that in itself is really nice to be able to do. We don't do that as much in education as we should. SEND is always one of the most popular and important topics that we cover at the show. Anyone involved in SEND knows that it's a constant challenge, which is why the SEND Theatre is all about bringing communities together to share best practice and help to build the best world possible for SEND pupils. I thought it was a great agenda this year, but don't just take my word for it. Here's a few of our speakers who covered SEND health checks and building inclusive cultures. So I'm here with two of our speakers outside the uh, SEND Theatre and they're going to explain to you what they've done and what they've spoken about. So um, we've been presenting on our SEND health checks, which are basically a whole school audit around SEND and inclusion, just coming in as a critical friend, looking at what services, what provision, what is in place in your school, and identifying that really positive practice, and then any areas where actually we could make a few small tweaks to support schools in providing a really inclusive environment for their children and young people. So we are a learning and wellbeing psychology a community interest company. So we're a group of educational psychologists that really take that step back, I suppose, and have that objective view to support those in school to really think about their SEND inclusion and what they offer within school, really appreciating and celebrating what they do and also thinking with them strategically about where things maybe could move forward. Fantastic. And it's your first time speaking at the SAS show. Do you think yes. you'll come back either as delegates or as speakers in the future? Definitely. Hopefully. <laughs> we would love to be invited back. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Well, brilliant. Thank you ever so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank, thank you. you. Simon, what's your role within the sector? Uh, so I'm a joint head teacher of a special school. Cool. And um, what brought you to the school, apart from speaking, what brought you to the schools and academies show? Um, it's always a good opportunity to be able to ensure that the thoughts and voices of people working at SCND are heard by a broad, a broad audience. Sure. And have you picked up any key takeaways from today at all? Um, well, I'm looking forward to, to listening to Baroness uh, Morris later, and I'm, I'm sure that's going to be an interesting conversation. Um, what has been particularly interesting is seeing some of the innovative uh, opportunities that are available to schools still. You know, so despite there not being much money in the system, people are still thinking of interesting ways to enable schools to do the job better. Well, thank you so much. The Schools and Academies show leaves no educational stone unturned, and an often missed discussion when it comes to education issues is the role of governors and governance. But considering that they are some of the key decision makers, their voices ought to be heard. That's why we made sure to welcome Emma Knights, the CEO of the National Governance Association to SAS to talk about the future of governance. Take a listen. So the sun's just about to set on another Schools and Academy show. I'm stood here with Emma Knights, the chief executive of the National Governance Association. Emma was the grand finale, you could say, on our main stage. So, Emma, could you possibly give us a little summary of your keynote, just to let the people at home know what they missed out on, and you know, maybe just your thoughts on what the future of governance kind of looks like as we move towards 2030? Thank you so much for having governance on the main stage. Obviously, the National Governance Association thinks it ought to be there, but actually, much more importantly, it is the governing boards who are the decision makers um, in the changes that will be happening uh, between now and let's say let's say 20, 2030. So uh, that's really what I was talking about. What are the sort of decisions that um, governing bodies of maintained schools have to make? What about if you're a single academy trust thinking? 
thinking about whether you're going to join a mat. Uh, but actually, mat boards themselves have to think about do they want to grow? How do they grow? And I particularly talked about merging of mats because some mats are really very small and may not find enough schools uh, to to join them and then the last thing i tried to cover uh, was actually what does good trust governance look like because there's lots of literature lots of support on that now but people are still needing a bit of reinsurance that that's not going to change uh, dramatically over the next few few years so i hope um, that uh, we can continue to support you to to do that well, whatever structure you're in. Fantastic stuff. Thank you so much, Emma. Thank you for helping us represent governance here at the Schools and Academy show. Hopefully we've won you over with the uh, stories we told you today from the show. Uh, but I'm afraid that's all from us here live on the show floor today. We'll see you real soon. Well, much like Sam said in that interview, it's time for the sun to set on this episode as well, I'm afraid. As always, I'd like to thank our guests. Oh, don't worry, Alex. It was a pleasure. We normally wrap things up by telling you to register for the Schools and Academies show. And don't put it completely out of your head. The show will return to the XL in London in May, with registration opening in the new year. But seeing as we're pretty much as far away as possible from the next show, your time is best spent catching up with all the best bits from the Birmingham show just gone. Whether you want to relive the memories or just get jealous of those who were able to make them, make sure that you follow at SAA underscore show and keep up with the hashtag SAA show to view all the best bits from the show floor and the theatres. And while you're at it, make sure to follow the Schools and Academy show on LinkedIn too. Well, that's all from us this month. Until then, goodbye everyone. We'll see you real soon, folks, with a real guest next time. I promise. This episode was produced and edited by Alessandro Bilotta, Sam Powell and Alex Wallace. still here i thought i asked you to show yourself out last time look i don't even have anything extra for you i've been away in birmingham at the show so you might as well just go don't look at me like that for god's sake <sighs> fine you can stay a little longer but if you're here next month you're paying rent